1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by Magic City Casino. We're very excited for The High. That's J-A-I at Magic City this summer. The High is putting a brand new spin on a classic Miami experience featuring unbeatable drink specials, a live DJ, indoor lawn game area, live high lie, and so much more. The High is going to be Miami's newest hotspot on friday and saturday nights maybe we can get russell westbrook to come out and join us i'm sure jimmy butler would mark your calendars to live the high life jai starting on july 19th and Alf, sydney and i are going to be out there taping podcasts today we are not in the same location i'm still in las vegas i actually extended my stay through friday Uh, you know longest i've ever stayed in vegas Alf. i'm gonna be out here a full week that's
2: not healthy man
1: no it's not although I've been good I, I gotta say I, I, I've been I've been working I don't know it's if just
2: is. a matter of time man Vegas I, will get
1: you I, I know I've already I've already at my second hotel I mean yesterday there was a, a media party at I would just everybody just wants to hear Russell Westbrook news I'm sorry there was a media party uh, over at the wind which is pretty great but I mean I midnight man I'm 46 you know at midnight <laughs> three o'clock eastern I thought I was adjusted to the time change I was like I you know waved to My guy, Shandell Richardson, I said, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, And that's pretty much what I did. But one of the reasons that I'm trying to be good is because I don't know what's going to break at any time. And, you know, you really can't be stumbling down steps somewhere when all of a sudden (laughs) Russell Westbrook is traded to Miami. I mean, you can be. But it's it's not ideal. Um, you got some
2: rooftop but, bar trying to figure out what's going
1: on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right, so let's get right to it. Um, there's one topic today. We're not going to talk Jimmy Butler. I've got the Jimmy Butler Chronicles that are going to be coming out. I've taped with five different writers who've covered him. So that's going to be on five on the floor. I also uh, recorded – I'm sorry, I used taped again. I recorded with uh, Yante – You're May- getting it. <laughs> Yante Mayton, Duncan Robinson – uh, and now, because my brain is fried, I can't even think of the point guard who's playing so well right now. None. Um, Kendrick Nunn. So, I've, I've taped, uh, recorded with all three, and I'll be putting those out in the next week. But we're just going to talk Russell Westbrook today. Um, you know, this kind of started. Uh, I, I didn't start it, but I guess I anticipated it. Uh, the minute the Paul George announcement was made, I put up a poll at about, what was it, 3 in the morning Eastern time, saying, to the Heat, go get Russ. And it's just the first thing that came to mind, Alf. And I didn't need any inside information. I wasn't texting anybody at 3 in the morning Eastern uh, to find out. It's just I've covered the heat for 25 years under Pat Riley. I
2: mean, it's it's a natural progression of things, right?
1: Right. It's where it goes, right?
2: Every team needs two stars right now, and you got a second one available. So you have to go get – you have to do – you have to at least do the due diligence to find out are they available or not.
1: Right, and it turns out now today, after a few days, the inevitable has occurred, which is this is the pattern of this is that somebody in the negotiation or on in the team leaks to Woj uh, or Shams um, saying that you know uh, a guy wants out, and that's basically what happened today. Now Russ didn't say he wants out, but they framed it in a much more positive way that
2: that he's open.
1: He's open to it, which yeah. which is, is is a way to protect his image in Oklahoma City in part. Because he may really want out, but, look, he was the guy who stayed, right? Durant left, he stayed. Uh, Harden left, you know, he stayed. And so, you know, I, I think that there is, you know, there, there's a cultural connection, which is kind of a weird one, between a guy like Westbrook, who's very L.A. and all the rest of that, and, you know, and a city like Oklahoma City, which has one street. Um, yeah, but a
2: city like Oklahoma City, loyalty goes a long way, yes. right? Because they're, they're, they don't expect anybody to want to stay. So when somebody wants to stay, they're going to give them all the love that they possibly can.
1: And they did that with Paul George, too, because it looked like Paul George wanted to be there, and then he didn't. And so the perception of George and Westbrook is going to be very different there, as the perception of Durant was, where I think Westbrook is the one guy who's going to survive, at least in that sense, with his reputation intact. Now there's issues on the basketball side and you and I are going to talk about that in this podcast, but at least, you know, the way it's proceeding, OKC. So uh, this has moved like we're at step three of a five-step process. And, you know, now it's a question of, okay, what, what do teams have to give up now? The only teams that I've even heard of that have been involved in this at all. And this is from talking to writers of various teams out here and some other people is, is, you know, the heat, the Knicks and Detroit.
2: Those are the three. What about the Rockets?
1: Well, the Rockets too. I, you're right. I should include them. Daryl Morey throws himself into all of this stuff. <laughs> Anytime uh,
2: someone's available.
1: He's like, we're, we're getting he
2: does, it. <laughs> he sniffs blood. He goes for it. He's crazy. Well,
1: well he does. And, and his media shills, uh, you know, because Morey has a lot of them, uh, they they go out there and, you know, they don't want to hang out with him at the Sloan Conference in, in Boston. And so, you know, they all go out there and say, oh, the Rockets can get this guy when the Rockets can't actually get this guy. Now – uh, maybe they do in this case, but they were not particularly close to Jimmy Butler at any point, and you know they were considered to be the foil to the Heat. And I was hearing at the time that he was not was not really an option, and it hasn't it wasn't obviously before the Heat made the trade. So you've got three teams that are potentially involved, but all of them are problematic in some ways. And we'll get to the Heat last. Uh, Detroit's problematic uh, in the sense of I don't I don't think they know what they are, right? So they have Blake and they have Drummond, who they've been trying to move. And, like, I keep forgetting to even count them as a playoff team, even though they were. Uh, And and I feel like there is going to be a push for them to make a move because it is a way to get them relevant again. I don't know if it gets them to the top three or four of the the East, and I don't think – I think that – you talk about Westbrook and Butler being a bad fit. I think Westbrook and Blake are a terrible fit. Terrible Uh, A lot of guys don't like playing with Blake because, you know, they don't perceive him as tough enough. The whole thing that happened with DeMarcus Cousins was not an accident. You you listen to players talk about Blake – There's some questions there. I guess we'll get to the heat last. The Detroit fit, Alf, and the question I would have related to it is my concern if you want the heat to get Westbrook, and I know you do not, but if you want the heat to get
2: Westbrook. Why would you frame it that that way? What have I said that makes you You think I don't don't want Westbrook on the heat?
1: Your Twitter figures. I've got to go back, have receipts. But. But Detroit, I guess the concern for the Heat would be that Detroit has more draft picks to offer, and I also feel like they're more desperate than the Heat. Um, That's
2: the thing. Right. When I look at Detroit, I say, basketball fit? No. But desperation. Like, Detroit basketball, what is it? Like, you said, there's no identity there. Like, they brought in Blake, and they were a surprise playoff team. Like, you didn't expect them to do the Blake thing. You're, this 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 Westbrook thing is going to be unexpected. They're not drafting very well at all. Um, uh, free agents don't want to go there. Um, it's, you know, did, nobody wants to live. It's like, you know, it's another Cleveland. Like, nobody, like Detroit isn't like a hot spot that people want to go live in. Mm. So they have to make these kind of, kinds of moves when they're available. So to me, the desperation of the Pistons and the fact that they can't draft well anyway <laughs> would probably probably means they'll give up every pick that they possibly can, any contract they can give up. And now they have Russell with Westbrook and Blake Griffin, and it makes them at least um, an interesting team. I don't know if it makes them a good team or a great team. It makes them interesting. And in a place like Detroit, interesting is all that matters.
1: Right, and they, they they're in the new downtown arena, and you know it's it's you know been a challenge to fill it at times in that city. Uh, and so they, they do need to make do sort of desperate things. I mean, I, I, Dwayne Casey in Westbrook, would that work? I mean, Casey was the first guy to really get to Kyle Lowry, so m- maybe it would. But I, I, I don't think it's an ideal fit, but I do can see them pushing all their chips on the table to just sort of make this happen. And that is a concern for the Heat because if you're in a negotiation and you've got somebody else that your counterparty is dealing with and that 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 other someone else is desperate, then it forces you to do maybe more. Than you want to do, Um, and so that would be that would be a concern there. Um, Let's go to the Knicks. Uh, The Knicks can't do it right now. Is the problem? There was somebody who said to me, I can't remember. I don't know if it was a writer or an executive. It's all running together at this point, Alf. But somebody said to me that the Knicks basically just should have reneged on all their contracts, like just you know all these (laughs) all all these contracts that they signed. uh, You know, poor Wayne Ellington. But the Wayne Ellingtons and the who is it? Julius Randall and some of these other. To just renege on it, and, and then you would have the opportunity to, to potentially make something happen with Russ. Uh, the problem is, you sign these guys, you can't move them until December 15th uh, at the earliest. Yeah,
2: the Knicks aren't an option just because they can't. I mean, they can't move the contracts they had. And I think it was Levitar that was saying this, and it's true. Teams like the Knicks and the Lakers scrambled. Once, once they found out they weren't getting who they thought they would get, hmm. they scrambled and they signed all these guys. And if they had just maybe if they'd been patient, uh, the Westbrook, you know, maybe Westbrook on a team with LeBron and AD is it's maybe that's that puts them over the hump or, you know, Westbrook in New York. Now they have a star that they can build on. But um, they went crazy signing all these, but, you know. But, Alf,
1: I don't want to pin it on them too much because if you go back to 2016, I mean, the Heat kind of did the same thing, right? The Heat, oh, the
2: Heat have done it twice, I feel like.
1: Right. Well, the Heat, the Heat didn't have Dwayne, right? So as soon as Dwayne wasn't there, it was, okay, we're locking up Tyler Johnson. Oof. Right. The, the Dion Waiters contract made sense. The one year at 2.7. I think it was one year and five for James Johnson. Ellington, what was it, five or six? For one year, so like they 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 made like all these moves. I think the the Luke Babbitt trade, like they were like six moves that they had lined up, and we were all like, "Oh, that's really smart." And actually, it was. Other than the Tyler move, it was all good stuff. The problem was they decided to keep some of those guys afterwards. But yeah, I
2: mean, 2016 wasn't dumb, but at the same time, there also wasn't a Westbrook that became available in 2016 after the no,
1: right? Like, so I mean, there could have been, and then we yeah. Why why did they just lock all those guys up? So yeah, I don't see the Knicks as a real possibility at this point either. So we all talk about everything in the NBA is leverage, right? And everything is, is seizing your opportunity and circumstances change. I was told a story today. I don't know if this has ever really been totally told about sort of how close the heat were to breaking things up in the, in the 2016, 17 season. Like everybody bangs on them for, you know, buying into the 30 and 11 when they were 11 and 30 or on that road trip, the team, the, the, the key people in the, in the heat front office had not been together for a while, right? The team was on the road for a while. And they were sinking to 11 and 30 becoming less and less relevant. And finally, there was a conversation that was had between a couple of people in the front office saying, okay, you know, when we all get together again, we need to talk about this, you know, where is this going? Because the heat don't go into seasons wanting to tank, but they will make an adjustment to go that direction. 2007, 2008 is the perfect example. They didn't go into that year planning to tank. Okay. They thought they had a real chance. They still had core pieces from the championship team, but, circumstances changed and so they tanked so anyway the the 16-17 season they were supposed to get back together when everybody got home and they got home and then the heat won the first game and then the heat won the second game and then the heat won the third game and then the heat won the fourth game so they were supposed to have this conversation about blowing up the team and they just decided never to have the conversation because they won 13th grade (laughs) that's and again so people think the reason i'm bringing up that story is because, I mean, they were like literally two or three days away from just gutting that thing.
2: Well, you know, something about that 13-game winning streak. At the time, right before they came back, right, and I looked at the schedule, I wrote on Twitter, the Heat are winning the next 13 of the next 15 games. Like, if you go back and look at that schedule, except for the uh, Houston win and the Golden State win, they should have won every single one of those games. Like
1: they were losing, but not if they were... Possible, but they were losing to teams they should have. But, but
2: And listen, and I love the 30-11. Listen, I I I was all... I drank all that Kool-Aid. But at the time, if the front office had looked at... if They looked at the schedule going forward. They should have, they should have told themselves, these guys can turn around. Let's do something now before they do with the fan base latches on to some of these guys.
1: Well, but, but they're not going to think that way, <laughs> right? No, 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 you're right. But they're not yeah. the fan base. They're thinking of of, okay, I think that's why they held off, right? And they're like, let's all get together and have this meeting when everybody's home. And they knew they had a favorable schedule coming up, but the team hadn't given any indication they were going to do anything with the favorable schedule. So I think it was, and then all of a sudden they win some games and it's like, okay. And my my point on this is, is that in the NBA, circumstances change like that. And so everybody's like, well, this team didn't have a plan or they didn't have a vision. Well, maybe they did, and shit happened. Like, Sam Presti didn't go into this offseason thinking he was training Paul George, right? Like, think of how many things had to happen. Paul George is third in MVP, okay? Third and had sort of declared his love for OKC, right? Decided to stay there, okay, which, as you said, others don't want to do. And so you go into this offseason thinking the last thing on your mind is Paul George is leaving Oklahoma City. Like, that's the last thing. But what happens? Well, a bunch of crazy shit happens, totally independent of Oklahoma City, like had nothing to do with Oklahoma City, like Kawhi holds up the Lakers where he's supposed to go. At first, Toronto wins a championship, okay, which sort of satisfied, you know, made Kawhi feel, and I think in some ways he could go, right? They win a championship because Kawhi's crazy shot goes in, right? If that doesn't happen, maybe Philly's the champion right now. Everything looks different. Jimmy Butler's not in Miami because they probably would have brought the whole damn thing back and Jimmy probably would have wanted to come back after he I you imagine Jimmy in a parade he would have come back to Philadelphia okay yeah of course uh, he would right so my my point is how many things had to happen you know the clippers i mean dallas pulling out of the trade with the heat you know rat finks right pulling yeah. out of the trade with the heat which forced the heat to dump a draft pick to the clippers which the clippers end up using to make that deal happen so what I'm saying is we can talk about this is a smart organization. This is a dumb organization. And I do agree that there are certain organizations, okay, the Heat, San Antonio, Golden State, Toronto, uh, I think New Orleans now with Griff. Like there are, you know, I think Utah is excellent. I think Denver has become excellent. There are 10 to 12 really good organizations, really well run. But you can only do so much. Like stuff changes. And so I come back to this. The team like the Knicks doesn't know that something's going to happen. They have to do what's best for them at that point, right? And now let's get to the heat, okay? Because they didn't have any idea Russell Westbrook was going to be available. They didn't know that, right? They just knew. Their philosophy is accumulate as many assets as you possibly can and then flip as many of those assets as you possibly can to get the freaking star. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. It's simple. But they didn't know which stars like – if the heat had known Paul George was going to be available, now I don't think they could have made any kind of a play. They don't have the picks that the Clippers had, obviously. But what I'm saying is nobody knew Paul George was going to be available. Everybody was thinking Kawhi. Okay. And think of how the league changes if Durant doesn't blow out his Achilles.
2: Like Yeah, the whole thing, I mean, what does he go to Brooklyn if they win a title? Like
1: Probably does, not.
2: You know, what happens with Kawhi? Yeah. Does does is Kawhi even looked at the same as he is now if he doesn't win that championship for Toronto?
1: Probably so, not. If they lose to Philadelphia in that series, then it's looked at as okay. You know, it was it, Masai took a risk in Toronto, and he had to, but it didn't didn't end up working because they didn't get much further. And and that's well, it. Toronto been to the Toronto has been to the Eastern Conference Finals before, right? Okay, so, so
2: let's talk. I mean, let's talk about the Heat then. And what you're saying makes me even further think that this is not the right move. So many things can happen, right? We just talked about the way the dominoes can fall. And just completely, you know, first of all, it's not even dominoes because dominoes aren't random like this. Mm. It's it's completely random, right? It's, it's, it's a crap table. And you don't know what's going to happen next. So locking yourself in, because, I mean, we'll talk about Westbrook's contract. Westbrook's contract is the same contract as John Wall and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And I probably like Andrew Wiggins. I know Andrew Wiggins is as bad, but, you know, he's a better player than Andrew Wiggins. Right. But these are, those are the four worst contracts in the NBA. Like, hands down, I mean, Hassan's got one year left. You could have said Hassan. Tyler Johnson expiring, you could have said Tyler Johnson. But no, now with four years left on these deals, those are the four worst contracts in the NBA. You bring in a guy like Westbrook. Now, one of these crazy things happen and somebody gets freed up around the trade deadline, you're back to being stuck again. Well, you're the attractive fran- franchise and the yeah, attractive yeah, town.
1: I, I, I get it. But you're right. I get it. But you're, but you're, you're, do, you're putting yourself back in the same situation. Stuck with Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, not with James Johnson and Dion. Wade. Yes, but Matt Russell. Johnson.
2: But I mean, listen, and I, I don't like to be advanced stat guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in the advanced stats and they, a lot of times, I think you, you said Spoh said it, they kind of just kind of reinforce, they either prove or disprove what you already thought. Correct. And if you watch Russell Westbrook, he's a stat compiler to me. Mm -hmm. He, and I, I like, I love Russell as like, as a personality, as a person, as a player, like I enjoy his style of play, but he's a Stevie Francis. He's a Stefan Marbury. Like he's one of these guys who just, he's a stat compiler and he's, he, he put that, puts up all these counting stats. But when you dig into the numbers, he's supremely inefficient, like historically inefficient. I'm not talking about just, oh, the, you know, the, you know he has a couple of 35% games. He's historically inefficient, right? And, we, and, and so my thing is, yes, you might be stuck with Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, but I don't believe Westbrook and Jimmy Butler are a title-containing team. And you're stuck with that for four more years. I just don't think it's smart.
1: Yeah, well, okay, a few things. You're right about the efficiency and and there's no question and again, this is where I'm going to say, you know, that I'm going to bet on this coach. And and I think that gets over and and I think to me this is the way that the Heat philosophy has kind of been described to me the past few days and I buy this. The Heat believe that if if they can get to a talent le- they can get to level talent at least at the top end, okay? That with the other things that they do well which is developing, you know, uh, you know, pieces to go around that player. Okay. Maybe maybe they don't have to go get it. Okay. Because they develop it out of the G league. Okay. They get functional players. All right. They they turn guys who were passed over in the draft. I was talking to Yante Mayton for a little while today about the conversations he's had with UD and about the expectations UD has for him. And, you know, we always talk about all these other guys that the heat developed and we don't talk about UD enough. I mean, in that regard right i mean he was he was overseas he was in turkey he wasn't eating okay so he lost all that weight he was in turkey then he was on san antonio's summer league team and that they had to basically you know try to bring him over then we're two decades later okay and he still has an influence on the organization and look at the money ronnie magruder just got with the clippers to be what i believe will be a sort of back-end rotation piece for them they believe if they have foundational pieces at the front okay and we're going to talk about bam in a second but if you have Butler, Westbrook, and Bam, they can fill out the rest of it. That's what they feel. And they also feel that, again, if they create a level playing field in that regard, they will get guys to come less, come for less, to be supporting veterans like they did during the Big Three era. Maybe they don't flock the way they did for LeBron and Dwayne, but a lot of them will come because the door's back open again where you can compete, which you haven't been able to do the past two or three years. At least you know you can compete, Okay. And and the other thing about it is they believe if it's level with their training staff and their coaching staff that they will get more out of their group than maybe some other team that has two stars but doesn't know what the hell to do with them will get out of their group. Let's look at Minnesota, for instance. Okay, I was having a conversation with John Krasinski today, excellent writer for the Athletic, who's on top of all the Jimmy But was on top of all the Jimmy Butler stuff. And it's a great episode, and I'm gonna put it out here in the next week with him talking about Jimmy. But he talked about the dynamic with Butler, Jimmy, and Towns. I'm sorry, you, but Butler, Wiggins and Towns, whatever you think of Wiggins and whether you think Towns is soft, he's a uniquely gifted player. You had one all star and two guys who were drafted first overall and Minnesota couldn't do anything with him. Why?
2: Yeah, that, I mean, because also well, Wiggins is bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, I,
1: I understand. I understand.
2: No, but with Cat and Butler, you should have been able to do something.
1: Right, and th- so the Heat's point on this, and their confidence on this, and I-, I believe it because I've seen it over and over, is if you just give them a level playing field on talent, on the on their their front end talent, that that's the, that's the, the you know, that's the thing about it. I think that, that they get put down in some ways because the big three, because like well, the Heat just got LeBron and Dwayne and Bosh. How could they not win? But they have to put the right pieces around them,
2: right? But they, okay, but Ethan, now, okay, so now, okay, let's say that he make the move for Westbrook. And let's say we believe in Spo, we believe in the coaching staff, because I do. I do believe in them. But there's certain times I believe that certain, I mean, inefficient going to inefficient. I mean, right. and also old is going to old and athleticism fades. But let's say, put all that to the side. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the transaction, and this is where I'm at the point, man. I've reached Thanos levels of inevitability. Right, <laughs> <laughs> this thing is going to happen. All right, I I, I know it you like the tweet happen. I sent it out. Was, it
1: was it was I saw your tweet. It was going to happen the minute that Paul George was trading No, to- I'm
2: talking about that. He he's Joe Biden. He's my Joe Biden. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I got to stick with him for four more years. And I'm listen as a he fan. I'm going to support him. Right. I'm fighting it now. But well, listen, when election day comes, opening day comes. I'm going to be in there cheering, but maybe I'll get a, Ru- a Russell Westbrook jersey. But anyway, let's talk about the transaction. You're talking about putting the right pieces around players. Mm-hmm. Here's my biggest problem with the Westbrook move. You are taking on, one of, the, like I said, one of the four worst contracts in the league. If you are going to do this, you will do not give up a single important asset. You do not you know you maybe you take the protections off that pick that 's fine because they have right. the two thousand and twenty three heat pick you right. take the protections off that pick, but you do not send harrow, you do not send bam, and you do not send justice because if you give get, rid- get rid of those three guys, what are you surrounding Butler and Westbrook with yeah, because if it's a win now if it 's a win now move, you need those guys, you need young cheap guys on your team
1: but why does it have to be okay why does it have to be win this year? win now doesn't have to be win. This year, I said this on, on, on our last podcast talking to Evan about this, is that, you know, you look at, again, the Shaq acquisition, I'm not comparing Shaq to Jimmy, okay, in, in the sense of where they are, right, and in their respective career, you know, Shaq's the top 15, 20 player of all time, okay, Jimmy's not, okay, he's the top 15 player right now, so I'm not comparing them in that sense. But what I- This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat. What I'm saying is when Pat got Shaq, it was a two-year project. It wasn't a one-year project, all right? And, 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 and I know you say Russ is getting less efficient over time. Maybe Russ gets rejuvenated going in a new situation. Maybe okay, G- but- rejuvenated being in the right situation. I don't think we have to look at this like they got to win the title this year. Well, I, listen, I have so- to have the pieces in place to be able to build something and 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 alf my thing about it is like okay again that first year damon jones was their point guard the whole year you think they wanted that i mean they let Damon go the first first minute he asked for money but it was the second year was after that year where they were like okay we need somebody more dynamic okay so they went out and got jay will okay they need somebody you know who we could play at the three and the four i didn't i hated the move at the time but the Antoine Walker move. Okay, we need a 3&D player. They got a tough 3&D player. We get James Posey. Like, and then we need a backup for, for Jason Williams in case things don't go right. And they went out and got GP. They added four pieces. And I, I just don't think you can look at – and that's after Elf. They should have won the title their first year with Shaq. Like,
2: okay, and that, that first year with Shaq, yes, they should have won the title. But I don't think in today's NBA you can win with a hodgepodge of veterans anymore. Like I don't think – like that whole – getting guys off the scrap heap, putting them together. Like you're not beating anyone in today's NBA with that hodgepodge of veterans. And you see what young, decent three and D guys go for now. You're going to be cash strapped.
1: What, 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 if, what if KZ Akpala, who's not going to play tomorrow, unfortunately, because he's not quite up to speed. What if he becomes that for them? What if he becomes a three for what if, what if Mayton, okay. Who they've held on to long enough at this point, uh, you know, turns into a functional, you know, back up four. Okay, that's a
2: lot. Of, I mean, that's. I mean, you're counting on a lot of it, G League guys to become.
1: They've done it, though, man. Like, I mean, uh, we look. They paid Tyler Johnson nineteen million dollars a year. Like, it's it's not like they haven't identified guys who've been core. You know, NBA like to me, Tyler Johnson could be on uh, could be a seventh or eighth or probably ninth guy on a very very competitive team. Like, it's just the problem with Tyler wasn't that they didn't find a good player there. It was that. He was sort of maxed out, and at the same time, he was literally almost maxed out money-wise. Like, th- that was the issue, but I have faith. You, you say, okay, so you're not going to go get the Richard Lewis's and the Shane Battier's and the Ray Allen's and all these other guys that they surrounded the big three teams with because maybe that doesn't work as well. Okay, and they've tried A bunch of guys didn't work. Turiaf was eh. Eddie Curry didn't work. Oh, damn. Greg
2: Greg Oden. Odin, Bibby, Michael Beasley, 14 times
1: championship, right? Look, they, they tried a whole, you know, Tony Douglas, they tried a whole bunch of those guys. What I'm saying is you, you don't have to go that route necessarily, but you can that's the route that the Lakers are going right now. Frankly, that's all, that's all LeBron knows, right? LeBron is not going to wait for some young kid to develop. Okay. He's not going to wait, you know, as you know, the heat weren't going to wait for Terrell Harris to turn into something. It was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the heat cut loose Patrick Beverly, Right, who's now one of the more valuable players for the league in terms of what he provides? Eventually, you know, because they wanted to keep Eddie House. Why do you think they kept Eddie? House? I mean, LeBron loves Patrick Beverly now, but they kept Eddie House because he was somebody that the coaches and also LeBron and the other guys trusted because they'd seen him play before. I just, I think they can find enough ways to add complementary talent, but you need the pieces. Now we can say Westbrook isn't the guy, but look, Tyler Harrell i'm gonna stop people right now and i've been sort of mocking heat fans all day okay but you can't as a heat fan i'm sorry okay you can't go go from doing memes about how washed pat Riley is because he drafted this guy 12 spots before he was supposed to go okay and he was basically jimmer for Dead. okay you can't do that and now all of a sudden tyler harrow because he has untouchable <laughs> Cause he shot 32% from three. Okay. playing against China and Utah summer league. Team. and I like him. Okay. I like what I've seen
2: untouchable.
1: Because he showed you a little head. We can't move this guy for an eight time all-star. Give me a fucking break Al. Well, mean, listen,
2: okay. One, if it's one guy, right. Okay. Maybe you do a Harrow. Um, maybe you do Winslow, which I would hate, but I don't know how well Winslow fits next to Westbrook and Butler.
1: Correct. correct. Um,
2: that's why, that's,
1: that's why he's more expendable than Dan.
2: And then, but listen, I, I, I might be okay with one of the guys. I, I won't be, I'll be upset, <laughs> but eventually I'll get over it. But if you're like, you know, I've seen these trade scenarios, whereas one, two, three guys in a pick, I'm like, there's absolutely but, but no but way.
1: Alf, whose trade scenario is that? I, people have been sending me that and I've been saying, no, like who who's, who's come up with that? You have the best NBA writers in the country. Okay. Zach Lowe is the best NBA writer in the country. Okay. To me, it's not particularly close. All right. And and I, he was talking. We had a conversation today. He doesn't he, he doesn't like Westbrook much as a player. He just doesn't. Okay, for the same a lot of the same reasons you're talking about the inefficiency stuff, but you know, but he's declared him a negative asset. Even Woe's just kind of declared him a negative asset.
2: And all the GMs in the league think he's a negative asset. That's why there's two p- teams going for I him know, right part now.
1: Part of it is a lot of teams can't afford him, right? But uh, but because they can't, they, they just can't move the pieces like the Heat can in this case, which is funny because, it's, again, it's, there are obstacles, but, you know, there are none, right? Like, so uh, this is the whole thing. I mean, th- there's this trust in Andy to basically figure that out, figure it out, and he's going to. And so they'll be able to move pieces if they need to move pieces, and they'll shuttle something to somebody else, and that'll be the deal, okay? But – I I just to me, you have to get you got to get the stars and you can't always choose the star. You know, when the heat went out and got I've mentioned Tim Hardaway before, but like people forget Tim was done. Tim was done. Like it wasn't like Tim was playing behind B.J. Armstrong. I've
2: seen you do this. I've seen you do this on, on Twitter. He was not a supermax contract. Though. I understand, but it was. We the- have to like. I- we, everyone I- keeps saying Antoine Walker, Gary Payton, Jason Williams, Tim Hardaway. No, That was me. Now, I've been saying <laughs> all those things. <laughs> they weren't making 47 million in their last
1: year i understand i understand but there were different ways of talent acquisition at that stage Yeah,
2: but like tim hardaway didn't cripple your cap i I understand it but
1: tim hardaway was perceived to be an nba cripple he was playing behind b i don't think i can put in the proper context what that is that's low risk high reward but it was, it was, okay, it was low risk, high reward because they didn't give up a ton in those trades other than Billy Owens and nobody had been able to tap in his potential really and the Heat really couldn't either, okay? So I, I, I get it, but I'm just, all I'm saying is that it, you, know, with, you have to take risks and everybody, there's been a ding against every one of these guys they brought in, okay? Now maybe not Shaq so much, it was more personality driven, but there were some questions about how much Shaq really had left this kind of a franchise fulcrum I didn't really know that Dwayne was going to blow up quite the way he did the second season. So even with Shaq, there was a little bit of risk. Jamal Mashburn was another one. I know he didn't turn into what he players wanted, but he ended up being the third best player on a very good team. At times, he was the second best player. And, you know, they gave up a guy in Kurt Thomas that had been a first-round pick for them. And Jamal was considered to be damaged goods when they got him. That's what you do. That's what Pat does. He's a scavenger. He's not a, he's not, he's, he's he's not a groomer. He's a scavenger. He'll go out and get the guy when he's a little bit down. And you look at Westbrook and you look at Butler and I think, and I haven't any, Pat's not out here from what I've seen, which is surprising to me. Okay. But like, you know, Andy's out here, Adam Simon's out here. There are some who are out here, but Pat's not, Shane Batty is not, I haven't seen the artists, but Pat is, looks at Jimmy Butler i bet looks at Jimmy Butler and, and Russell Westbrook and sees himself he sees himself in these guys okay this you know the you know where he's a little bit damaged okay and people don't believe as much and all the rest of the, and and i just think butler and westbrook like people are worried like the as you like the two polar you know two similar guys but like they're going to spontaneously combust when they're on the same court i think they're going to fucking love each other
2: oh no too. listen i i don't think that's going to be a problem like now, now there are other people on the team. If they've remained on the team, where there might be an issue. Yes, <laughs> I could yes. see some problems in some
1: of those huddles when it comes down to who's going to take the last shot. Oh, but hold on, hold on a second. And I bang on Dion at times, but I, all the talk at Oklahoma City was that there was a good relationship there between Westbrook and Dion. So I, I, don't know. I mean, if Dion's still here, is that the worst case scenario? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I just, I don't know how we've made look. Bam Adebayo to me, is untouchable. Okay, because I, I just think he's unique. Uh, I think it's harder to replace a guy like that. I just think there's sort of limitless potential there. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll just be a functional starting center or power forward in the NBA. I think there's a lot more there. And I love Justice. But, you know, if you have Westbrook and Butler, you don't, I don't really know that you, you know Justice fits all that well. And maybe Justice going to Oklahoma City to run his own team uh, is is would be the best thing for him. I'm not sure. And I don't really want them to give up Justice Winslow, but let's stop it with Tyler Harrow, please. I like what I've seen. But but I mean but I mean somebody brought this up on Twitter. This wasn't mine, but James Dennis was a star in summer league. Okay. And he couldn't yeah, we, functionally dribble. Like now yeah, we he, knew
2: he couldn't dribble in summer summer league.
1: Right. Though. But now he's look, now he's a rotation you know, he's a rotation player on a playoff team and that's probably where he's maxed. But I mean, let's let's stop it. Like, I, yeah, I see some Mike Miller comparisons. You know, uh, you know, there when I watch Tyler Harrow, he's not quite as big, but there are some similarities to Miller early career. Right? People when I tweeted that, they're like, "Well, Mike couldn't move with the Heat, right?" Because he, I mean, basically his back was broken. But like, I'm talking about Orlando Mike Miller. Like, you know, all right,
2: so okay, so I'll, I'll give up Hero and that's it. <laughs> that's all you get. You get Hero, Dion, Goron, James Johnson, Kelly O'Linick. No, actually, you don't get Kelly Olynyk.
1: Well, they kind of need Kelly Olynyk.
2: That's what I'm saying. You can't. They. They. I mean. I mean. If, unless they believe in Myers Leonard that much. They,
1: well, I don't think they do. I. You, you don't have. If they don't. If you don't have spacing on the wings and the backcourt, you need spacing in the frontcourt, right? So I, I. That is. He's an important guy. But I, I guess what I'm trying to get you out of, and we're gonna come right back after the break. But like what I'm trying to get you out of is this thought of well, you have to fill in all the pieces this year they're not going to be able to, like, they're going to make this trade and they're going to gut the roster. It's just going to, it's, it's going to happen. And, it, you know, but they're not going to gut it to the degree that some are talking about on Twitter, where you're giving up the three kids in the first round, picking drug it. It's like, that's not happening, but they're going to have to gut it to some degree. There's not much left out there right now. And there just isn't, I mean, they're not getting Kyle Corver. He's, he's probably either Milwaukee with Bud or he'll end up in, in Los Angeles with the Lakers if it hasn't happened by the time we end this podcast. Like, so I, I just, I, you know, Avery Bradley's gone. Like, you know, most of the pieces that you might want to add to the team are gone. So it's gonna it's gonna look a little ugly. But I mean, it was a little ugly with Carlos Arroyo. You know, bless his heart, his point guard for the first forty five games of the big three. I mean, they put. I mean, Levitard made the joke like that he could play point guard with that team. That's basically what they did. I mean, they they, yeah, had, they, Roy, they had Arroyo, and Bibby, and they wouldn't play Rio. Like, so I, I you know, that first season. So I just think we got to get we got to get get out of that frame of mind that like hey if you can't get it all this year it's not worth doing i, I just think
2: but it, it but but yeah, I also have the problem with just the player himself
1: I know. Well, let's talk about that when we come back. All right. So, we're introducing, we're not really introducing because they've been with us forever and we share an office with them, but we want to introduce them to people that haven't listened to the podcast before. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call one eight five, 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 thousand Law. That's one eight, five, 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 thousand Law. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and traffic tickets with a new 15,000 square foot office. We can tell you because we're in there all the time. It's beautiful on I 95 in North Miami. And you can come in and see them. They will handle cases all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, one 5000 law And one of the attorneys there, Eric Katz, uh, just saying hello to him so he doesn't blow up my phone with text asking me what's going on. By the way, that has to stop. For anybody who's listening to this podcast but has my number, um, Eric can do it because they're a sponsor and I, I work around Eric all the time. But some of the others, like if I have news, i'll probably put it out there for everybody at the same time like i, I that, that, that just it's like everybody's looking for oh do you think this thing's gonna happen like so like i'm checking to see like if it's an important text and it's like someone who i have you know communicated with on twitter three times and it's like you know do you think this is gonna happen can you give me the scoop and i'm like should i be charging for this like 25 dollars 50 dollars yeah, ever since
2: i started this podcast with you people are acting like i'm an expert which is hilarious to me
1: well you're <laughs> as much of an expert as me but
2: I, I mean, like no but like i'm an insider like oh, it's just, oh Al says his gut feeling is that it's not gonna happen i'm like guys you know i don't know anything right
1: <laughs> you know what just just tell them something they don't i mean it's like it's it's, it's like that guy Ari, what is it he's not aria Ari. aria something yeah so that guy who basically you know said the clippers were out of the deal and then he's like quadrupled down on it which forced Sedano to say this, you know, don't go about it this way, young fella. And I'm looking yeah, at George, which was George yesterday. I don't know what he puts on his skin, but he's like 41 going on 23. And I'm like, don't be calling anybody young fella. You right? <laughs> can't, can't be doing that. All that right, was so condescending,
2: get, George. Come on.
1: Uh, well, yeah. We love George, but yeah, there's a little of that. All right. So <laughs> let, let's, get to, uh, let's get to Westbrook, the player. You don't think he's salvageable in the sense of fixing the efficiency. Why not?
2: Um just okay, because his shot has gotten progressively worse. it's not when you when you have these explosive you know uh these these players that dominate with athleticism, what you like to see over the over time is that they develop a game that will last. I've not seen Russell Westbrook develop a game that will last in the n b a like he's on the wrong he's on about to be on the wrong side of thirty. And he still is balls to the wall, 48 minutes a game. And he can't shoot. He, does, he can't shoot from mid-range. Um, and he doesn't have much of a post-up game. People try to tell me his post-up game is solid. I don't see it. Um, and, I mean, he's transitioned. He's just a bolt of lightning. And then also, everyone, everyone wants to keep talking about his assist numbers and the fact that he averages a triple-double. It has been proven through like i said i don't like to be stats guy but his assists are almost detrimental to the offense whereas that rondo thing where he's holding the ball to get it to the right person so that he gets the assist it's not that unselfish hockey assist where he's moving the ball just to to get enough movement to get somebody open so which honestly anybody who tries to point out assists as a direct result of playmaking to me like listen like get out of the eighties, bro. Like there's, 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 there's no, data there's that, to back up I that, that
1: John Wall in the pod. I, I I, think he's done some of that, but there's also this other stat, which gets in the way of your argument here a little bit, which is when, when he has triple doubles, they win four out of five games. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't like the throwing the ball up to himself for rebounds stuff either, but if you don't think that other guys don't do that, like, I mean, did we watch LeBron during that stage where he was trying to shoot sixty percent from the floor and yeah. like and he had like open elbow jumpers and was like it would turn around away for the basket? Or I mean he and Dwayne had a compet and we're talking about one of the most unselfish players in, in NBA history, if not the most, in terms of not I'm not talking about off the floor, but I'm talking about on the floor and you, and he and Dwayne had this thing. I talked to both of them about this, where they had this contest where they were just toying with people during the 12, 13 season of who was going to shoot 50% or better that night. Right. And so both of them I mean, admitted to me that like, they would not take a shot. That didn't look like a great shot. I would like to
2: see the winning percentage of the teams they beat when he got triple doubles. Yeah, like I think that might be telling, right?
1: You're digging. You're, digging, you're becoming metrics guy. now. Digging,
2: the, <laughs> no, but no. Listen, if if you're if bad you're racking up numbers against now. bad teams,
1: but but it, but there are a lot of bad teams. But it's a bad narrative to say that when he that that it's detrimental then when he gets triple doubles. No,
2: I'm not. No, I'm, I didn't say when he gets triple doubles. I so said you have a
1: problem with the assists. Okay, he's well, right, So let's look at one, mean, one of the other. Stats. I didn't
2: have a problem with the assists. I a problem with the way he goes about it. Right. He's
1: also an elite rebounder for a guard. Is he not? And
2: now, yeah, if I you're did, selling out for rebounds because you're trying, you're trying to get the stats, that's, an, that's a whole other thing. Okay, when right, when no, Steven okay, Adams is boxing good. out his teammates to get you a rebound on a free
1: throw. Hassan didn't do that? Yeah. And did, we, did we like what Hassan did? It Right, but Hassan did do other things <laughs> that we, right? <laughs> Russ does. Like, like, okay, so you're going to say two or three of the rebounds are basically him undercutting his own guys. Okay, what about the other seven, the other eight, the other nine, the other ten?
2: I did give it to him. He's, he's an elite rebounding guard.
1: He's right. elite. He's elite, and and you just traded. Okay, and I'm glad they did. Okay, they traded their best rebounder by far. Bam is not an elite rebounder at this stage. He's not, and they don't have elite rebounders around him. Uh, Olynyk is is not an elite rebounder. Myers Leonard is not an elite rebounder. That's their front court. Justice
2: I, might be their best rebounder. Just,
1: just, right, they don't have great rebounding. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, Josh was not really either. Okay, but he was okay. But they don't have – I mean, DJJ is not at that stage. He, he became better as an offensive rebounder. But I'm talking about his defensive rebounder that's not – he's just not thick enough yet. So, they don't have great – now, Jimmy's a plus rebounder for his position. But they don't have plus rebounding. So, they need to get – their best rebounders, like you said, if, if it's Jimmy – and let's say Justice is here. If it's Jimmy, Justice, and Russell, they might be the three best rebounders on the team. So,
2: like – you're, you're paying $40 million for rebounding.
1: Well, you're not just paying for real
2: you know. <laughs> I know, but that's, but that's not, what I'm saying. I mean, I, if, if you couple – if Russell was making $25 million, this is a no-brainer deal, right? No-brainer. It's the fact – when you couple the player with the contract, to me it's just ah, – it's, inconce- it's inconceivable. I just don't see how it lends itself to winning in the future you, when you're, you're going to be you're that you're
1: cash-track. You're paying, le- you're paying uh, the same. Actually, a little more. To Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson, that you're going to be paying to Russell Westbrook. Would you? And
2: what it, that got us one first round exit. What
1: would you would you take <laughs> Russell Westbrook over Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson for that much? Yeah, wow. of course. Okay, deal done. Thank you. <laughs> i I, like we're quibbling like we're talking about like we're
2: we're talking listen i was also resigned to not being very good for those years I I I, this organization butler now i want to win
1: okay but i don't think that jimmy alone look talking to talking to to talking to casey johnson about this you know he said the bulls basically you know they gave it two years with jimmy as their number one guy And they won basically half of their games and and they just decided he's not a one. And then he went to Minnesota and he was the best player, but he wasn't sort of the, the highest profile player and they won more. And Jimmy, you know, I was talking to John Krasinski about this today. He basically said, Jimmy, you know, was, you know, got some, was worthy of MVP votes when, you know, at one point Minnesota was third in the West before Jimmy tweaked his knee, I think that year. And so like, Uh, you know, and he believes Jimmy's a top 15 player. I still think Russ is a top 15 player. So if you, if you, if you throw Jimmy and Russ in the mix and you're getting more out of them from an efficiency standpoint, you know, the effort's going to be there from both of them. They don't have to add to that. You just get them to be more efficient. You get them to refine it. You've got two top 15 players. Now let's say you keep Bam. Let's say that Bam this year becomes a top five center in the NBA. I think it's doable. Maybe not this year, but I think he's going to get close. You're talking about three legitimate pieces then. Then you start to add in, you know, what they have in terms of G League. Then you start to add into them, you know, you do get a couple of veterans to come next off season because they see the things that are working with Jimmy and Russ, and it's still freaking Miami, okay? It's still this organization. It's still the no-state tax. It's still the beaches. It's still the women. It's all of that stuff, okay? And they all want to come down. So I just – and the other thing I think that happens, and I don't want to look past this, and we've got to close because we've gone longer than we should have today, but – the, the other thing not to look past is it's going to look like the heat of like Riley has resurrected himself from the dead. Right. And I, oh, know,
2: definitely. I mean, well, right. a lot of heat Twitter sit here eating their words from the last four years.
1: Right. Okay. So let's or say, their tweets. Right. Well, they'll, they'll delete all of them, but like, but let's, let's just say that, okay, the narrative on this franchise changes back to what it was, which is, no matter what happens, they figure it out. And the reality is they lost the benefit of the doubt, rightly so, over the summers of 16 and 17. The Dwayne situation, the bad contracts, and all those things that happened. Bosh wasn't their fault. But, like, the other things that happened. And now, all of a sudden, they're back. And unlike when we talk about the Canes being back, they're legitimately back. Like, okay. I, think
2: it's, I think it's happened. Just with the Jimmy, when you look at what Jimmy did and just decided, okay, I'm going to the Heat. But you have all these other offers on it. No, no, I'm going to the Heat. But what right. about no going to heat? Like I think it's already uh, it's already happening the the kind of the turn of, of the, the the perception of Riley and then Russ
1: basically making it known today that he wants the same thing. So this whole idea that like you know it, it's one thing like the Dolphins are in South Florida too. The Dolphins have no state tax. You know the women. The women who go to the games at, at the stadium look roughly like the women who go to the games at the arena. Rough, roughly. <laughs> roughly, <laughs> roughly. <laughs> we need to end the pod. But, 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 <laughs> but I'm, I'm punch drunk at this point. I'm not real drunk, but maybe later. But 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 look, they're, But nobody wants to come to Miami to play for the Dolphins. It's not just because the training facilities in you know in Rodeo Town. It, it's it's because there's a perception that they never get things right. Now maybe that changes, but there's a perception. But there has been a perception that the Heat get things right, and, and they lost that perception. And I think it's back. If you get Russ and Jimmy Butler in a summer where you had nothing to sell,
2: <laughs> yeah, you had no, no. Everyone goes into the summer with cap space, and heat have no cap space. They might walk away with two top twenty players. I won't give you top fifteen. I refuse. I right,
1: you could do twenty. Make the damn deal. <laughs> I will do another podcast when this happens. I'm not saying if. I just I I've been at this game too long, Alf. It's inevitable. It's happening,
2: right? Detroit's gonna throw them – just gonna give them eighteen picks and it's just gonna it's gonna be over. Well uh, The heat have know. to stand firm. All right. I gave them Harrow. That's it.
1: That's it. Harrow. All of a sudden. Tyler Harrow. We still can't even pronounce the name correctly. Harrow
2: Hero. I I whatever's
1: I but Tyler, Tyler, but Tyler Harrow, all of a sudden, has become the difference. A guy that nobody wanted, and again, now they do, and I understand why, but like 10 days ago, nobody even wanted. But all of that's, a sudden, that's Tyler, all I'm Harrow, up. Tyler Harrow is the reason that you're not going to get a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, who's, still, who's not that far out of his prime. He's not 38. I just, anyway, we'll talk to you soon.
0: <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.